Hello and welcome to Engage with Eagle Forum, a podcast to encourage the modern day woman and her vital role in shaping society. I'm one of your hosts, Tabitha Walter, the political director of Eagle Forum, and I'm joined by our, our executive director, Kirsten Hassler. Hello, everyone. Today, we are tackling an issue that's been in the news for quite a while now, and that's big tech censorship. We have seen big tech companies like Google, Facebook, and Twitter tighten the reins on what they consider fake news or comments that incite violence. The problem is their crackdowns have been very one-sided with conservatives getting the brunt of it. Yeah, I, I mean, I remember a couple of years ago when Google brought on Heritage Foundation's president onto their board to encourage diversity of thought and all of you know that um, mumbo jumbo and their employees had such a hissy fit that they kicked her off. And that was just the tip of the iceberg back then. Now we're dealing with these companies purging people off of their platforms, censoring and suppressing the reach of organizations, banning candidates who are running for office, including their political ads. You know, this has already been begun to influence our elections and more importantly, our culture. We keep hearing of potential solutions like President Trump's call to repeal Section 230, but even cons conservatives are split on this. So this is exactly why we asked Rachel Bovard to join us today, who can break everything down for us. And Rachel is the Senior Director of Policy at the Conservative Partner Institute here in DC, where she's heading up the Internet Accountability Project. She has served in various House and Senate positions, working for influential senators like Senator Rand Paul, Pat Toomey, and Mike Lee. In 2013, she was named one of the National Journal's most influential women in Washington, D.C., under 35. She co-authored a book at, with CPI's chairman, Senator Jim DeMint, called Conservative, Knowing What to Keep, which we will link in our show notes. We are thrilled to have you with us today, Rachel. Thanks for, be, uh, for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, Rachel does amazing things, so we're excited. <laughs> so let's start off very simple. Will you break down the phrase big tech? What and who are those technology companies and what deems them big? It's a great question because when we talk about big tech, you know, people can mean any number of things. But I think colloquially speaking, at least for the last like six months or so, what the companies we really mean when we're talking about big tech are Facebook, Google, Twitter, and Amazon. You know, I think maybe people wouldn't have put Amazon in that category until, you know, they joined forces with Apple and Google to kneecap Parler uh, and, you know, extinguish it essentially from existence. Um, so I would put them in that category as well because of their web hosting service. They provide hosting services across the internet. People don't realize that in a lot of cases, not just to Parler, but for example, to Netflix. If you're watching Netflix, you are using Amazon as well. Um, so people don't realize the broad reach here um, that Amazon has, but I'd include them in that as well. Now on Capitol Hill, sometimes you'll see Apple get included in this, um, you know, for various reasons. But I think for the purposes of this conversation, we're primarily talking about Google, Facebook, Twitter, and Amazon. All right. And currently there's a section of law called Section 230 that protects companies like Google, Facebook, Amazon. And like Tabitha said, there have been calls to repeal the whole section to hold big tech liable. So can you explain what Section 230 does and if in your opinion it should be repealed? So Section 230 was passed in 1996 as a tiny little amendment to a much bigger bill that was designed to quote, clean up the internet. 
right? And it was trying to solve this thorny problem of content moderation. Essentially, we, the members of Congress who passed that law wanted these companies to take down the smutty content on, on the internet, right? We wanted them to feel free to take down pornography and harassment and terrorism and things that, you know, you just don't want your kids to see. And in fact, the title of the amendment as it was then is called the Family Online Empowerment Act. So it was designed to do that. Um, but it's since been expanded and judicially expanded, right? Courts have interpreted it to cover, you know, these companies taking down all kinds of content. Uh, related to, you know, political misinformation, related to, you know, views they disagree with. And now you'll see a lot of people say, well, that's just their First Amendment right. You know, they have a right to disassociate with content. They're not required to host content. And that is true. But it ignores the fact that Section 230 privileges these companies over and above other First Amendment actors. So, you know, for instance, magazines, movies, newspapers, you know, all of these companies and industries are held liable for defamation, for libel. You can sue them you know, for things they say, and it, it makes them more careful, right, about, it, it puts responsibility on them for, for the things that they, they publish. Now, these internet providers are not considered publishers um, for the purposes, or under Section 230. They simply are immune from any sort of liability about what they, you know, what is said on their platform, right? What you or I say, you know, Facebook and Twitter aren't liable for it. However, because it's been so judicially expanded, that immunity now covers things like sexual harassment. Um, there's a case pending actually in the Texas Supreme Court where a number of minors uh, were solicited into sex trafficking on Facebook. And mm -hmm. because of Section 230, Facebook is not liable for that. And mm -hmm. so that's going to be tested in the Texas Supreme Court and potentially even the Supreme Court, where you've seen justices like Clarence Thomas actually weigh in on Section 230 and say, look, <laughs> uh, this may have gone a little further afield than what Congress actually intended. <laughs> You know, when they were saying, look, we'll give you immunity here if you clean up the internet. They didn't necessarily mean to give them an editorial function that was immune from any liability. So, you know, there's a lot of complex issues tied up in Section 230 because you do want platforms to moderate to some extent, right? I don't want pornography flourishing on my platform. But at the same time, you also want a political diversity, right? You want viewpoint diversity to flourish on these platforms. So a lot of the those issues are tied up in Section 230. And for a long time, I think conservatives were supportive of reforming the law to make platforms more accountable, right? To say, look, if you're getting what is essentially a subsidy, what is essentially a benefit that other industries don't have, you should act in more accountable ways. And here are these the ways that you should act. But I think a lot of conservatives are now saying, look, you know, repeal the whole thing because, you know, the most compelling argument for it was that, oh, you know, it'll protect free speech online. Well, it's clearly not doing that for conservatives, you know, so why should they continue to give a handout to these companies? So you're seeing, I think, you know, more, more and more conservatives comfortable with repealing Section 230 in its entirety. And what would happen at that point is that, you know, you a, a new common law system of torts would develop around Section 230. So users would be able to sue the companies, you know, common law would develop around that. You develop a, a notice and takedown system. Mm -hmm. You know, speech would be restricted in the short term, um, but I'm sure these companies would figure out how to get around it. You know, consider that they they all operate in Europe uh, and, and in other countries without a Section 230 equivalent, and they still make money hand over fist. So I'm, I'm sure they'd, they'd figure out what to do. So that's Section 230 in a nutshell. <laughs> that's good. My, my question about that is if Section 230 is completely repealed and then these companies are held liable for what's, you know, published on their platforms, 
will that not make the crackdowns even worse than we're seeing right now? It would limit you know, speech in the short term, right? Because what you'd require these companies to do is excessively moderate what people are saying to protect them from liability. So I do think that there would be an over, you know, I don't want over censorship, over restriction of all kinds of speech for sure. But to, you know, the point I was making earlier, I think these companies would then develop a way to manage it. You know, if they want to stay in business, you know, they, they have artificial intelligence tools, you know, to track for a lot of these things. Um, and again, a court system or, or a tort system would develop around this, right? You, you have case law that says what's, what's legal, what's not. Congress could impact or it, uh, pass more clarifying provisions. So their business model would change. But, you know, again, somehow these companies operate without Section 230 in other countries, you know, without 230 protections and people still manage to speak on their platforms. So I don't buy into the whole free speech on the internet would end if Section 230 is repealed. Um, where it would, I think, have an impact is on some of the smaller firms, right, who do benefit from Section 230 protection, like also comment sections of newspapers benefit from Section 230 protection. Mm -hmm. And so that's why you see in a lot of the bills that are being introduced in Congress, actually a size threshold in place to say, mm -hmm. okay, you know, maybe we repeal or reform 230 for, you know, the bigger companies or companies that meet a certain metric for market dominance, but we leave it in place for the smaller businesses. Because look, Facebook, Google, Amazon, all these companies have grown exponentially large and successful because of, in part, because of Section 230, which is effectively a government subsidy, right? It's a subsidy to the a special treatment that exists, you know, across, for certain internet companies, for certain uh, types of internet speech that doesn't exist for others. So let's keep it in place and you know, for the smaller guys, well, maybe making the big guys more accountable for what is again, tantamount to a subsidy. Mm. Okay. You know, there have been various pieces of legislation introduced on this problem alone, whether it's the repeal of section 230 or maybe some minor fixes or reforms. Um, who should we, we be watching in Congress on this issue and what legislation do you think actually gets to the heart of the problem? So it's interesting because, you know, this issue for a while was just, you know, the bailiwick of Senator Josh Hawley, you know, who is very activist senator on big tech. But I think after the last month or so, you've, you're seeing a lot of senators and members of Congress come out and say, we got to do something about this. And so the coalition has definitely grown. Um, you know, in the Senate alone, you've seen Section 230 bills uh, be introduced by Senator Marsha Blackburn, Senator Roger Rick Wicker, Senator Lindsey Graham, you know, of course, Senator Hawley, Senator Cruz, you know, down the line. Um, and same in the House. Uh, Congressman Greg Stubbe, um, who's a member of the House Judiciary Committee, has a great Section 230 bill. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan has a Section 230 bill. You know, Congressman uh, Paul Gosar has a, has a great early leader on this issue, has a number of Section 230 bills. So a lot of these bills are proliferating around Section 230, though I would say it is not the only solution available to Congress. Um, and I think especially this, this Congress where, you know, Democrats are in charge, they also want to reform 230, but for very different reasons <laughs> and, and with different results than Republicans. Um, Democrats want to use 230 to force the companies to clamp down even more on speech that the Democrats disagree with, obviously, which encompasses conservatives. So I don't know that you're going to find a lot of um, areas of agreement on, on Section 230, except perhaps when it comes to addressing child sexual abuse material that circulates online, there is bipartisan agreement that the platforms need to do more about that. Um, but you also have members of Congress looking very uh, aggressively at antitrust. 
mm -hmm. um, antitrust enforcement and, and, and potentially fixes, you know, or upgrades to the antitrust law. And when we talk about antitrust, you know, I think sometimes some conservatives say, well, we don't want regulation, we don't want government to act. Antitrust is not new regulation. It's it's effectively law enforcement, right? It's illegal to be a predatory monopoly in this country. It is against the law. And um, that's what our antitrust laws are designed to do, um, to enforce against. So obviously you saw the Department of Justice and a number of state attorneys general bring antitrust lawsuits against Google and against Facebook. But on Capitol Hill, you're also seeing um, Congressman Ken Buck from Colorado is a Republican new ranking member on the antitrust subcommittee in the House. He's proposed some reforms he thinks, you know, that would make it easier for the enforcement agencies to deal with technology companies um, in a way, you know, the new digital economy, essentially. Um, and, and he, you know, Democrats have proposed reforms as well that are much more aggressive. And, you know, Ken Buck has said, look, I don't want to go that far. But I do think maybe the antitrust enforcement agencies need a little more direction from Congress. And so that's, that's where he's going. Yeah, something that I want to highlight that you said is that there's an antitrust subcommittee in Congress. And a lot of times we don't pay attention to these subcommittees because they're very focused and they may not be an, an issue that, you know, we focus on or, um, or pay attention to, but they're doing things. And so it's, it's always good to note what they're doing and who's on those committees and who's actually you know, introducing legislation based on what their subcommittee is. So, um, and that's a little mental note for us to, to keep watch on those things too. Yeah, it's interesting, the work of the antitrust subcommittee this past year, you know, it was under Democrat control, but there was a very bipartisan interest in examining sort of the marketplace around tech. Is there still a free market in tech? That would be interesting to know. <laughs> and so they had a series of six different hearings examining this. And, it, and, you know, when you talk to Congressman Buck, you know, he was really compelled by a lot of the testimony from small businesses that came to, to, to Congress you know, to, to talk about what it's like to, to try to compete with these big guys, to try to compete in this market. And he found their testimony compelling. He found uh, evidence where there might not actually be a marketplace in tech. And for mm -hmm. conservatives, I think that's concerning because we want the free market to solve problems. Mm -hmm. uh, we believe the free market can solve problems, but you have to make sure there is one uh, for it to solve problems and you have to be vigilant about protecting the market so it can do its job. And so I think, you know, where some of the Republicans are coming down on antitrust, they say, look, we have a lot of concerns with how these companies are operating, speech concerns especially. It would be great if we could compete those concerns away. But for that to happen, the marketplace has to have its integrity. It has to, you have to make sure it's still functioning. And so that's the work of that subcommittee. I think it's going to continue. Um, the Senate has a has an antitrust uh, counterpart on their judiciary committee. So I expect both of them will be looking into this in, in the coming year. So along those lines, do you think it's even possible to break up these big tech companies within the scope of the free market right now? So People often talk about antitrust, the, the antitrust antidote is just breaking up these companies. Mm -hmm. And that is an option, right? You have structural remedies under antitrust enforcement, but I think what is perhaps more likely um, is actually behavioral remedies. Um, this is similar to what we saw in the Microsoft case where Microsoft wasn't actually broken up, right? After when mm -hmm. antitrust enforcement was brought against it, they, they, the case settled, uh, Microsoft altered its behavior in a certain number of ways uh, that limited its dominance that created a more competitive market. That I think is much more likely at this point. 
I'm not ruling out that the companies could be broken up, but I think based on the case that DOJ brought against Google, for instance, um, a lot of the issues that DOJ raised were actually behavioral issues around something called defaults, um, essentially where Google pays to have its search engine be the default on Android, on iPhone, right? And because they're paying for this, it's they're doing so in a way that actually prevents any competitor from really competing. You know, they, they can't, these small companies simply cannot afford to compete with Google. Now, this is not the only behavior identified in the DOJ lawsuit, but things like this, I think, are much more likely to be enforced against than, than a structural remedy, which would, for instance, separate Facebook from Instagram or, you know, Facebook from WhatsApp or Google from YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, I think where you'll see Republicans address that point, it'll be uh, more scrutiny of mergers and acquisitions going forward. Um, because over the last you know, couple of decades, there have been s- close to 750 mergers and acquisitions in the digital space that have received next to no scrutiny, <laughs> very wow. little scrutiny from the enforcement agencies. And you know, that's a big deal when you consider that the tech sector is 10% of, of America's GDP. It is a massive sector. And you, know, you have enforcement agencies that just don't have the resources you know, or necessarily the willingness to look at all of these mergers and acquisitions for how they will affect not just the price space, but the innovation, right, that, that you want to see in a market. So I suspect that, that is Republicans will focus on resourcing those agencies and maybe potentially giving them more direction to that end going forward. So I would expect that more than I would expect actually a structural breakup. But who knows? I also didn't expect these companies to be so bold and so insane as they have been for the last month. So who knows? <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what do we do as conservatives um, on an individual level about this? We, you know, we we watched a ton of people move to Parler, and then Parler was shut down. Um, and then, like you know, when it comes to shopping, we can't deny that a company like Amazon has created a highly beneficial and efficient model that many of us rely on right now. I mean, obviously, we can go to like Target or Walmart, but they have their own issues too. So, where do we go from here? Yeah, this is the perpetual challenge, I think, because you know, for a long time, the refrain on the right was, well, build your own if you don't like it, right? Build your own alternative. And to John Matsey's credit, he did. He built his own Twitter and it was the first successful mainstream alternative that we saw. And then, you know, obviously we saw Apple, Google, and Amazon collude to like take them out of the market. And, you know, they cut, literally cut off the oxygen supply that a small business needs to grow, right? To me, that is that is rendered the build your own argument sort of moot at this point, because you can build your own, but then they will gang up and come for you uh, if you do. And I think that that's a very distressing development. I think for anyone who prioritizes a free market solution, uh, there are some warning signs going off that perhaps you know enforcement action needs to be taken here. Um, but I think you know it's it's hard because I think to to the point that you made, these companies are so dominant and so tied into sort of how we live our lives that walking away from them is almost a non-option at this point particularly when it comes to companies like Google. You cannot not use Google if you live in the modern world. And I'm not just talking about Google search. I think people don't realize how dominant Google is. Google is tied into almost every app on your phone. Uh, it is you know, tied into the basically the top websites on the internet because of their digital ads. Uh, if you are on the internet, if you are living in the modern world, if you have a cell phone you, or an iPhone, you are basically using Google. 
And so for, for us to say simply, well, I'm not using Google search. Well, okay, but you are still using Google, you know, on any, any number of their other platforms, right? Including YouTube, including Gmail, all these things. And so I really think, you know, and, and Mike Lee, Senator Mike Lee made this point at a, a hearing not long ago when he said, you know, the fact that these companies can so aggressively upset half of their user base and not feel any pain for it because there's nowhere else to go is a symptom or a sign, you know, that something may be wrong here. So I think for conservatives right now, obviously where we can use alternatives, where we can, right? I've finally um, tried to rid myself of Amazon, <laughs> right? Done the hard work of, of doing that. But I think it's also time for, for conservatives to, to press their lawmakers for solutions here. Because again, it's not just Section 230, it's not just antitrust. You know, we've been privileging these companies in ways, you know, that I think can be leveraged for better behavior. We constantly, you know, we give a lot of these companies a ton of tax cuts. These companies are contracted with the government. Amazon Web Services has a $600 million contract with the government to provide cloud hosting services for the CIA. You know, we are giving them opportunities and, and requesting nothing for it. And so I think, you know, there's opportunities for to compel better behavior for government benefits. Um, you know, and I think, you know, conservatives also need to be strong advocates for small competitors because, you know, we do wanna see a free market thrive. We do wanna see free market alternatives that may require, again, antitrust enforcement or some kind of, you know, scrutiny where there hasn't been previously to make sure a free market exists. So, you know, as conservatives, we don't love the heavy hand of the government but I do think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that unaccountable corporate power is not colluding with government power to change the boundaries of how we live together. It is inherently conservative to look out for our social order, right? That's what being a conservative is about. It's not no government, it's limited government. And so the government has an action or, or I think a responsibility to act to protect how we interact with each other, how we live together, to protect the avenues of free discourse in a free society. And so I do think it's appropriate for conservatives to be concerned about big tech and look to their legislators and their lawmakers to take steps necessary to act when, when appropriate. Well, this has certainly been an excellent and really informative conversation and we've learned so much. So where can our listeners go to follow your efforts and get more information on this issue of big tech and what to do about it? So I write and speak a lot on these issues. You can find all of my uh, latest essays on my Twitter at Rachel Bovard um, or at conservativepartnership.org or theiap.org. And I'm signed up on your email list. So that's so helpful when it comes to this kind of stuff. Yes, and for anyone interested in that, if you go to conservativepartnership.org and click on my staff bio, you'll find the link uh, to sign up to get my columns directly to your inbox. Awesome. Um, one last question. Uh, we have started asking our guests um, to end on a note of hope because, I mean, we've just had a rough year. And so, uh, and, and a lot of these issues that we talk about can be pretty heavy and negative. So do you have, um, a, you know, just a little tidbit of hope that we can cling on to for at least the next week or so? <laughs> well, when it comes to big tech, you know, I have been pleasantly surprised, I think, by the energy in the grassroots of the country, not just, you know, to push for solutions to this problem, but you're starting to see, you know, conservatives do, I think, what we should have been doing for a long time, which is actually build our own infrastructure on these things. Um, you know, it is, it, I don't think the build your own argument is that compelling anymore, but I do think long-term, 
building our own infrastructure, our own uncancelable, you know, internet web hosting services. You're, I've, I've met with a number of groups that are now invested in doing this. It will take years, but they've, they've started. And I think they have more energy than I've ever seen and more support for their project than, than they've ever had. So I'm very hopeful that this will not be a long-term problem, hopefully. Um, and we, we will, as conservatives, see the market come to our aid. But I, I think there are reforms that need to take place in the interim. Well, that's so good. And thank you so much, Rachel, for joining us. If you are listening, we will post links and resources throughout the week so that you can dive a little bit deeper into this topic. And be sure to subscribe, share with your friends, and leave us a review. You can find us on all the social major social media outlets <laughs> and at engagewitheagleforum.com. Your house to the state house to the White House. This is Engage with Eagle Forum.